It's Design Behind the Mask with your host, Carl Waldron. This is a show about design in your favorite fandoms. First, we discuss a fancy design thing. Then I give you two fun recommendations based on our topic. You come for the voice, you leave with a choice. Sound good? Let's start the show. What's up, my fellow fans of fandom? It's Design Behind the Mask. I am your host, Carl Waldron, and today we're going to talk about the Xbox. What about the Xbox? The ever-evolving UI that the Xbox controller console, the Xbox console, has used throughout the years. Now, if you are a video gamer, you know, well, let me rephrase, if you are an Xbox gamer, you know that the Xbox has come a very, very long way from the green and black user interface of that first gigantic Xbox console back in 2000, whatever. The interface for that system was, you know, a V1. It was very simple, very simplistic. Uh, nothing really to it. It was actually very hard to look at. It was very, uh, very green. The evolution of that went into the Xbox 360, where they introduced the blades. That's when Xbox Live had first taken off uh, and was getting a lot of traction. They created this bladed system where your center blade, you know, is whatever your active blade is. And if you scroll to the left or the right, it will, it's like tabs in a, you know, a, a tab folder. You, you go through each tab, it'll, you know, expand in the middle and you'll get your, your information. It was an interesting, you know, not groundbreaking way to, to do this menu system, but it was a step forward from what was previously kind of being touted from the, uh, the original Xbox. And Honestly, it was easy to use. It wasn't overly complicated. You can find everything pretty, it was labeled, so you can find everything pretty easily. But it, you know, it wasn't super nice to look at. Uh, sure, it was easy to navigate. The colors were a little wonky, but overall it was, it was fine. It was fine. And this was Xbox getting their feet wet that's a horrible way to say it it was it was them getting comfortable with their own platform how do we how do we highlight every piece of entertainment that we can offer on this console where the user is you know not bombarded from left to right which is it's it's a difficult problem to solve but i i feel like the blades were an interesting solution uh, the 360 cards were the next evolution of the blades. So instead of it being full page blades that you would swipe, it was just it's like a carousel, like an online image carousel. They turned into a card based system where you swipe through cards. It was much airier and it was much easier to digest with the white space around each card. And honestly, this 360 card UI is what today's Xbox Series X 
console is evolved from. It still uses sort of the same basic UI idea of a card-based system. They use, they show the games as cards and where they used to swipe through pages, now you kind of have to click into each card, but it's kind of the same. So the card UI, the Xbox 360, which is, side note, the Xbox 360, to me, uh, and I, I debate anyone for this, was one of the best consoles for gaming in a very long time. Consoles, not necessarily like all the first party games that they put out because there weren't many, but the actual console and how it was structured and what it offered, it allowed for some very unique things that aren't even done today on the Xbox. Like they've gotten rid of some huge, amazing features that Xbox 360 uh, implemented. The avatar, for one, you can build your avatar. It's sort of inside of Xbox Series X, but it's not as prominent as it was on the 360. 360 avatars were used for a game called One Versus 100. I don't know if anyone's ever played that, but it was an online game show where you could log in and play a game show against a hundred other people live with an actual announcer. Like that's something that doesn't happen today. I think the last thing that was like that was that HQ trivia game where you would log in and you would be playing trivia with literally everybody who logged in at that time and it would slowly whittle people down to the winner. Xbox's one versus 100 was that before that game. And it was wonky and it, it didn't work well and the announcer was hard to hear sometimes and it, it would crash. But the concept of the game was amazing and the Xbox was able to do that where Nintendo couldn't do that and PlayStation had no interest in doing anything like that. To this day, they don't want to do that. And the Avatar was part of that game. And the Avatar was incorporated into a lot more internal kind of Xbox uh, initiatives that you could play as your Avatar. So it gave you an incentive to actually dress your Avatar up the way you wanted to or make them look the way you wanted to. It was, it was incorporated and it, it, there was a reason for your Avatar, whereas most times your Avatar is just, you know, some weird picture of something else, uh, which is now basically what it is. Uh, on Xbox. It's just a, a random picture or your avatar that doesn't do anything. Speaking of Xbox internal initiatives, the Xbox Live Arcade is 100% fight me on it. 100% the best thing to happen to gaming that was never looked at again. Liz, think of Xbox Live Arcade. It was a series of games that you can download. Every game had a demo. So it doesn't, didn't matter what game was on Xbox Live Arcade, you can download it and play it for X amount of time. There was no limit to how much time you, it was up to the developer. How much time do you want to give them to play? When you've reached a certain time where they thought they get kind of the, the gist of the game, a prompt would come up 
and it would say, if you'd like to continue, press X, you can purchase the game and continue right where we stopped you. Or we'll send you back to the main menu and you can start this demo over if you want. You got a free trial for games. For, for nothing. They just put them out. And all of the games on there had a mandate at one point that they were supposed to be 1500 Microsoft space bucks or whatever. I can't remember what it netted. I can't, I can't remember what it became in actual currency, but every game was basically the same amount of money within like a range. They later on in the life of the 360, they added games that were way too much money for to be on Xbox Live. Some of them were like 60 bucks for some reason. But there was a, a middle ground there where you were playing stuff like Shadow Complex. You can play a demo of that. And if you wanted to, you can play it again. You can uh, you can download it immediately. The the functionality of that is something that still isn't in Xbox today. And I can't I can't for the life of me understand why they obviously, you know, they have their indies, but their indies don't function the same way. It doesn't have the same user experience that the Xbox Live Arcade did, and I'm I'm baffled as to why they haven't brought it back. Maybe it's a cost thing, but for a fan, it was an amazing feature that I miss. Uh, that was a side quest, sort of. That was a side turn. We kind of turned our back to the side, but we're still back on the, the UI of the, the Xbox. So the UI of the Xbox is still, we're still in 360. The cards, it evolved to this larger version of the card. Like the, the cards became way too full of content. So they had to start stacking cards on top of one another. They had different pages of cards and it just became very cumbersome, cumbersome, but still relatively useful. It was just a lot of cards on top of one another and different pages of cards and you kind of had to swipe between pages and it didn't really have the same level of transparency that the blades did. The blades had, you know, tabs so you can see what blade was coming next. These didn't really have that. They had a version of it. Then comes the Xbox One, which took that sort of stacked card UI and created it and recreated it in a more grid grid-like fashion it was like you have your main thing and then you have kind of these cards around your main thing and then it had like ads on the side and you can scroll down to more cards or scroll left to right and they had an actual top menu that it said you know here here's what's on this page it's on this page and this page uh and yeah it just continues to this day that's kind of the series x idea they've adapted this card menu that now goes from the Xbox Series X to the Microsoft Store. They all kind of share the same sort of card-based UI. Now, functionally, this all works just fine. And with video game consoles, the UI is one of the most important parts because if it's difficult to get to your game or it's difficult to find what you've purchased or the settings or whatever it becomes irritating to use the console on the flip side if you play enough of a system the bad ui becomes intuitive 
this weirdly if you're forced to use a bad UI regardless if that's the only option you have you'll learn it and you'll probably hate it but at some point that hate will just turn to commonality and you're just like whatever the reason I bring all this up is because when you look at something like the PlayStation's cross media bar which has not changed since the PlayStation 2 so PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 5 has relatively the exact same interface with modular differences they still function in the same sort of rigid manner that it always has whereas Xbox has continually tried to update its UI to cater to its user base whereas PlayStation is on the opposite end where they're like we believe this works and if you don't you will if that makes sense they they've been they've been very steadfast in the way that they present their cross media bar you can't really change a whole lot about it you can't tweak it there's no real customization to it you you kind of get what you get and you can't get upset there there are some ways to game the cross media bar where you can kind of move stuff around but not really and i believe the playstation 5 now it's a little bit more flexible but still within that same rigid structure. Whereas the Xbox has continuously tried to move their UI forward with feedback from the fans, which is good, they're listening to fans, but it does create a sort of inconsistent feel between user interfaces. When you look at both PlayStation and Xbox uh, UIs and their user experience, they adopt very different sort of uh, philosophies where, you know, like I said, Xbox is more like fan feedback, iterations, change, 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 where PlayStation is like, this thing is the thing and we are going to force you to understand it. And I've been trying, like when I was preparing this sort of episode and you know an, an old article I was like is is one better than the other and I came to the conclusion that both are good in their own silly way I am all for testing and Xbox is like the biggest test bed for gamers their UI shows that it's evolved so much through user feedback and testing and data and whatnot And it's become whatever it is now through that, for better or worse. I personally have no gripes with the card-based system. It's not the best thing ever. It's not the worst. And a big plus for them is you can manipulate this thing, this sort of grid-based structure, to be whatever you want it to be. You can make it confusing, or you can you know, make it easy. I opted for making, I've removed so many things from the the menu. Like there's so little stuff showing uh, just because I only play really one game anyway. So, but I appreciate that. Whereas on the PlayStation, I, I appreciate the fact that I know what I'm getting when I log it. I know I'm going to see that cross media bar. I don't particularly like it, 
but I don't not like it. I used to really not like it, but now I'm I've I've become complacent. I don't know. They've beaten me into submission. They're like, you like it now, and I'm like, I guess I do. <laughs> I mean, I I've never truly appreciated the cross media bar. I have friends who love it, and just swear by it. But from a UI UX perspective, they both are doing their own thing and they're using different philosophies of UX and UI. I don't really, I can't even say this to their detriment. They're just using it. Um, I've seen and I've worked on projects where products go through the PlayStation model where they're like, it has to look like this. And I fought back and I'm like, you have a drop off in users right here. And they're like, well, business requirements say we have to keep it like this. So this goes back to earlier in other in, in other episodes, I should say, um, the mentality of working within the rules to make things work. Sometimes you are locked into a UI or a UX that you simply can't change because business reasons you know and those are at least to a designer those are number two on the thing you have to do number one is you have to serve the user base that is your job regardless of what anyone tells you as a ui or ux developer your job is to serve the user base not the stakeholders not the c-suite not anyone else whoever's going to use the product is your main concern now Everyone else in your company may have it the other way around business requirements first and then the user base or the user base might not even come into to play, but you are the user base advocate. You do everything in your power to make sure that the user is served. And then a very, I mean, a close subway ride elbow in your ribs second, just way too, way too packed. It's way too close to you. Number two is business requirements. You can't not do them. And sadly, when your user base bumps up against business requirements, no matter how hard you fight, the business requirements will win. And sometimes you have to sacrifice some stuff or you find a creative solution to meld the two where you get what you want and they get what they want but it doesn't look like you got what you want. Now, I'm not going to go into how to do that. Not in this episode, but that all just goes back to saying maybe there are just some business rules that do not allow the cross media bar to change or some sort of technical limitation that doesn't allow for customization. Or maybe they just believe that users shouldn't customize the interface, which is also a valid thought process they did their thing they believe it works they know how to manipulate it and they have a reason for the the way that the uh the cross media bar looks and on the opposite end the xbox they're like we built this thing to be played with and toyed with and and, and customized and some products do that others don't this is the most wishy-washy <laughs> friggin episode of this show that I'm, I, I feel I'm going to do, but I wanted to talk about both, not both. I want to talk about Xbox, but I couldn't 
truly talk about the UI of the Xbox without bringing in the competition, the main competition. I didn't bring up Nintendo because Nintendo is in a class of its own. And Nintendo is not a console creator. They are a toy maker. So their mentality is going to be way different than Sony or Microsoft. Nintendo is out there making digital playgrounds, basically. So you can't really compare the three. Um, But we'll go into the Switch and its it's, uh, many, many shortcomings (laughs) on another episode. Uh, We're up to recommendations. That was fast, huh? Or not that fast. I feel like I rambled on around there. But I hope you got something out of it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Let's get some recommendations in. So, the fandom recommendation, which is a very expensive recommendation. (laughs) And I know uh, not not everyone's going to be able to do this. But I'll say it anyway. Go buy an Xbox Series S or a Series X and and play some games. Um, It's a little easier to find a Series X these days. Uh, I was able to do it, uh, thankfully, and I was also able to find a Series S. There are way more there are way more Xbox Series S versions out there than there are X. And honestly, I have both one for uh, my wife and one for for me. The Xbox Series X is mine, <laughs> but the the differences are negligible if you are a casual gamer. So if you are like me and you're like, I want to get the best of the best and I, I, I don't want an S, I want the X because it's the big, powerful one. Just get the S. It plays the exact same games. It'll output the same graphics to you. And if your eyes are as old as mine, you won't even know the difference. And it's uh, 300 bucks, which is a tall order for some, but save up if you can and or or get some christmas goodwill and see if you can get an s and when you get the xbox series s pick up destiny 2 it's free and come play with me (laughs) Uh, if you do get the xbox series s and you want a game with me just let me know uh i believe my xbox handle is super black so you can find me on there and we can game it up we could play some Fall Guys. That game is free and fun. And we'll, we'll play some squads and try and get some crowns and have a good old fashioned time. Um, for the design recommendation. Uh, I don't know if this is a great design. No, this is a good one. This is for This is for all my designers out there. This is a really good one. I don't know why I was second guessing myself. Go try Abstract. Abstract is a version control system for designers where it lets you safely and uh, we'll just say it, it, it allows you to safely update your design systems through version control where you can work and collaborate with a team and you know, make changes to your your sketch or whatever file uh, that you know has your typography, your icons for whatever products you're working on, and you get to merge branches in. I'm saying this as if you know what I'm talking about, but basically, you have your little environment where you work on something, 
And then you can push that branch, your specific instance, to the master branch in abstract, and it will see if you have any conflicting aspects within your branch and the master branch and if not it'll just merge your stuff in and it'll become part of the final so you can have many different people working on many different things and pushing all their changes up to one master file and if there are conflicts they have to resolve them before they go into the master file basically it keeps it keeps things clean it helps with collaboration and it allows you to be a little experimental with your designs and with your your uh, design systems without mucking up the final that everyone else is working on. Um, you can make a branch off the master and do some wild stuff and show it to your CD or if you're a CD, you can do it some crazy stuff and then show it to your team and say, we should look into something like this and then create a completely different project based off that it's amazing so uh get abstract i think the reason i was hesitant is because abstract is kind of expensive but if you're part of a team and you can expense it uh i would say try it it's a it's an amazing tool to work with designers uh and you it'll give you some peace of mind there's always a backup of your file i can keep talking again i get no money from these recommendations nothing Not yet, anyway. (laughs) If we ever do, I'll explicitly say. But until then, I will always say, I get no money from this. These are just things that I use in my own workflow or have and believe in. So for your fandom, go buy a Series S or X if you can find one. And for your design recommendation, try out Abstract. You can find it on www.abstract.com slash branches. Take a look at that and uh, give it a go. That's it. A rambling, nonsensical, no, it is not nonsensical, a rambling, informational, informative? A rambling, informative episode of Design Behind the Mask about uh, gaming. Another another wonderful portion of my life that I love. Uh, Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you next time.